Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Thankful for these five young people who made their decisions to follow you and complied with your requirement of baptism. Now, Father, we pray that you would speak to others, young and old alike, because there are many decisions that need to be made. For those whose hearts are not right with you, we lay them before you this morning, even though we don't perhaps know who they are, but yet we lay them before you. We lay before you also those who have been unfaithful and wayward, their lives might be turned around and brought in compliance with your will. We lay before you, our Father, the names of those who are ill, those who are in the hospital, those who have family problems and burdens of various nature. We come all before you to pray your blessings upon us as we each have need and especially in this hour of fellowship and worship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we use the term pure, it was used in this passage of Scripture, quite frequently our minds turn to a young bride who is pure morally, and who demonstrates that as she walks down the aisle in the ceremony for wedding. Because that whiteness is the symbol of everything that is good and right. There's a symbol there that there is nothing impure about that person. But I think the word means more than just those things, and I would like to quickly point out some of them as we introduce the message this morning. The, the word pure does mean clean. Clean as if it were soiled clothes that had been put in the laundry, and when they came out of the wash machine and out of the dryer, we would say they're pure. They smell clean. They look clean. They are clean. The psalmist in chapter 24 and verse 4 said, or asked rather, this question, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Then he answers it. And he says, He that has clean hands and a pure heart. I want you to notice that he put the two phrases together, and they go well together. For one cannot have a pure heart whose hands are stained with sin. One cannot have clean hands whose heart has not been cleansed of sin. The Lord expects his people to come before him with clean hands, meaning that we are doing those things that are upright and wholesome. 
And they are done because they demonstrate a heart that has been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. The problem that we face is that too many people think they can clean their hands, that is, they can do good things, live a moral life, live upright and live honest, whose heart has not been cleansed. Because we were born in sin by nature, we are required to have a cleansing of the heart before our lives can be pure before God. It's the symbol of sifting out the chaff from the wheat, so that all that is left is that which is good and usable. It's the illustration of being unadulterated. Some of you work in things uh, where you expect the product to be unadulterated, to be pure. If you were talking about a metal, you would expect that that metal has had removed from it all the impurities that might weaken it, make it of less value. If you're talking about gold, you want it as pure as it's humanly possible to make gold, or silver, you want it the same way. Daniel talked about a, a great image that he saw one time, and I'll shorten it up to just simply get to the feet because of our shortness of time. And he described an image that was a mixture of clay and iron. We all know that any image, any, any article that would be made up of both clay and iron would have little lasting value. It would soon demonstrate its weaknesses because of its impurity. This is true of your life and mine when we try to mix the purity of God and the clay of the world, the impurities of the world, and put both the world and God into the same mold, we discover that we have a very weak vessel. That's what makes us so weak in our service to God is that we have tried to make a mixture of both worlds and it won't work. We have tried to take the sin of the world and put it into the righteousness of God and somehow mold those two things into one being, into one life. And whenever that mixture takes place, we have a weakness that is unacceptable to God. For he wants us to separate from our lives the impurities and come forth with something that is pure, that has been unadulterated with the things of the world. Another way that we could look at purity is that it's an absolute unmixture of motive. Now let me explain what I mean. It was nice of us this morning and important for us that we put our money in the offering plate. Not nearly enough goes in there, but that is beside the point. But the real issue was not whether you did or did not or how much you put in the offering plate. The issue was what was your motive? What was your motive? Was your motive for self-approval? 
Measure Mosius that the people sitting around you might approve of you putting one in the offering plate. When we sing, it's nice that we can sing the praises of God, but what's our motive? To hear our own beautiful voice or to expect somebody else to hear our voice and say how wonderful it is that they sing so well? Or did we, in fact, this morning sing for the glory of God? What is my motive in standing behind this pulpit that you might think by what a marvelous sermon? Or my how he can speak? Or is my motive to praise God and to be sure that the person of Jesus Christ is upheld and glorified? As John said, I must decrease, but he must increase. And this must be the attitude of your life and of my life as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If we mix the impurities of society, the impurities of sin, in with that which we do, we become a very weak and a very unusable vessel in God's hand. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Jesus said. This is a very demanding beatitude. It requires self-examination like perhaps none of the others do because it asks us to examine our motive for being in church this morning. It asks us to examine our motive for service. It asks us to examine our heart. And the basic question that you and I face this morning is how is our heart in relationship to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ? Have we come to church this morning to meet God, or have we come because it's a respectable thing to do? As we pray, do we pray because we want to talk to God, or we want man to hear what we have to say? But let's quickly go over to the word heart. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. The word cardiac that we use with reference to the heart comes from the Greek word cardia, which is the very word that is used here in this scripture, but it is not making reference to this organ inside our chest that beats and keeps the blood flowing through our body. It is making reference to something much more important than that. We might call it the seat of our emotions. We might call it the control point of our life. We might call it that part of us which reasons and thinks. That which is real, that which is the soul, the person that we are. I said to these kids, as I counseled with them about the decision that they made that you saw demonstrated this morning, that they were born physically on one day, and they would die physically one day, but the other night they were born spiritually, but they never will die spiritually. Because of that which has taken place, not in their body, but in their soul, in their heart, if you will. Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
Proverbs also, 4.23. Listen to this. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. You know what we do? We watch over our body. But seldom do we watch very well over our heart. There was a day when God looked down upon this earth prior to the flood and he saw that the hearts of all people were wicked. It was the hearts that were wicked. And in Genesis 6, 5, we have these words, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thought and of his heart were only evil continually. Notice where he looked. He did not look at our fine bodies, but he looked inside us to our thought process and to our heart. It is not a question as to how do we look to each other this morning. We're not concerned about whether all of you got a shower before you came to church since your electric was off. That's of little consequence. We're not concerned that you have on your finest dress or your finest suit. That's of minor importance. Because God is going to look through the threads, if I might use a teenage phrase that you have on this morning. God is going to look through the makeup. God is going to look through the fine hairdressers. And he's going to see deep into the heart and he's going to bear know what kind of person you are. Whether you're pure or you have made yourself a mixture of good and bad and you come as an unusable vessel for you can't be sustained in that kind of life in God's service. David prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God. That's what you and I need to be praying this morning. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false uh, doctrines, slanderers. It's what comes out of man that, reels, that reveals whether he's defiled, the Lord said. Purity is more than sincerity. Let me repeat that, because I think it's important. Purity is more than sincerity. Many, many people say today, it really doesn't make any difference what you believe as long as you're sincere about it. I remember in the Old Testament a group of 400 preachers called the prophets of Baal were very sincere as they marched around that altar that day trying to get their god Baal to bring fire down from heaven and consume the offering that was on the altar. And they ran all day around that altar very sincerely praying unto their god and their god did not hear because there was no God called Baal. That was in the mind of man. 
They were sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. Listen. You may be very sincere in thinking that there is no need to be a Christian. But I will assure you, on the authority of God's word, you're sincerely wrong. You may believe there is no point in coming to church and listening to this nonsense called preaching and teaching in Sunday school. But let me tell you, if you're wrong, it's going to be a devastating wrong someday. And do you know something? That if I'm wrong, I won't be hurt a bit. But you will be destroyed. If that's your belief, you will be destroyed. For the scripture says the wages of sin, and that is sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the problem that we have today. The same problem that the Pharisees had, and Jesus gave us in Matthew 23, and let me read it, Matthew 23, 25 and 6. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and then he puts a word in there and calls them hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup, but inside they are full of self-indulgence. First clean the inside of the cup so that the outside may become clean also. What was he saying? He's talking about the condition of the heart. Consider your life, if you will, as a cup. If you go to the cupboard and pull out a cup, you pay little attention to the outside of the cup or to the handle, but if you're like me, you will definitely look inside the cup to see whether, whether or not it's clean before you use it. For you won't want to drink from it if there is a roach in it, or if there is dust in it, or if somebody failed to clean it properly. The inside of the cup is the important part. The Pharisees had fixed themselves up well. They were spiritual. They did everything that they believed the law required. They knew that Bible through and through. And there is many a Bible scholar who is going to hell because he has read the surface and cleaned the exterior of his life to look like something that God would accept. But God says, inside the cup's dirty. And that's where he looks. Purity is more than cleaning the exterior of one's life. Purity is cleaning the interior of one's heart so that it can be acceptable to God. He said when the heart is clean, then the exterior will be clean as well. For when the soul, the heart of man is corrupt, even the exterior of his life will be unacceptable to God. What's the standard? How do I know if I'm clean enough? You know, one of the problems that we have is that we want to judge ourselves against somebody else. 
And what we do is say, well, I may be a sinner, but let me tell you, I don't do the things that he does. And that fellow to whom you just pointed says, I may be a sinner, but I don't do the things he does. And that guy says, I don't do the things he does. And you know where the standard is? The worst sinner in all the world becomes the standard for all people. The standard is not you. The standard is not me. The standard is not the church nor anybody in the church. The standard of righteousness, of purity, is Jesus Christ. And the question is not, how do you look in comparison to me or to others? How do you look in comparison to God for His Son, Jesus Christ? And there we see ourselves as impure. Our cup is not clean. We ought to pray, clean my cup, Lord, then fill it up, Lord. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Oh, who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity. There are three religions, and with this I will close. See which one of these religions you adhere to. You adhere to one of them. There's head religion. That is, a person adheres to creeds. With his mind, he accepts certain doctrines. He believes in his mind, and he follows all of those creeds. Then there's hand religion. Who believes that one is saved by that which he does, if he's a good person then he's going to be saved. Then there's a heart religion. Heart religion has little to do with you and me. It has a lot to do with God. Because it's what God does with my heart and what God does with your heart. Now, what kind of religion do you have? Are you simply adhering to a certain amount of creeds? Man's statements? Believing that you can be saved by that which you do, the way you live? Or is your heart right? Is it pure because God has cleansed it by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary? How is your heart? What is your purity this morning? Are you a mixture of iron and clay? Or have you been cleansed of all the impurities in your life? by the power of Jesus Christ. If you cannot say, I have heart religion this morning, you're invited to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Will you do it? Blessed are the pure in heart. They're the only ones who are going to see God. Nobody else will. How is your heart? Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com. 
www.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.